Hey everybody and welcome to the Crypto Masters Podcast, helping the general public to master an understanding of crypto assets. My name is Brian McCoy. And my name is Ross Heaton. And we are the, the Crypto, Crypto Masters. topic of today's episode is Elrond, a layer one blockchain platform competing with the likes of Ethereum. Oh no, another ETH killer. <laughs> Stay tuned. And a quick reminder, our goal here at the Crypto Masters is to provide information about crypto assets to help the public decide if it's something that they may want to invest in and then do further research on their own. We generally look at projects to determine if they would be good for a long-term investment. Yeah, Brian, we uh, provide information about different crypto assets to allow you, the listener, to make your own financial decisions. This is not financial advice because we are not financial advisors. But as always, you know, we give you the power and the information to be, uh, you know, one of the stops on your crypto asset investment uh, journey and research journey. Um, but yeah, we're and also we're typically geared towards long term investment. But um, Elrond is all about scaling, and we will be talking about sharding a lot on today's episode. And it's not because of that burrito I had at the food truck earlier. So <laughs> let's get into oh, it. Oh, sharding. All right. <laughs> all right, Ross, let's talk about Elrond. He was half elven and lord of Rivendale. Fun fact, he possessed perhaps the most powerful ring, Vilja. What? We're not talking about Lord of the Rings? I think we're on the wrong show. All right, then let's talk about the crypto asset with the same name, Elrond. Seriously, let's get down to business because nobody wants to hear us joke around all day. Said no one ever. Yeah, what? <laughs> all right, Elrond, the crypto token, was announced in August 2019, and its main net was launched in July of 2020. Mm -hmm. It's a layer one protocol that runs smart contracts and is a competitor of Ethereum and several other great projects many of which we've already covered on this uh, podcast. So it has three primary features that I think we should focus on, and then we'll discuss the tokenomics, the team, and give final thoughts. So there is our podcast roadmap. I like it. I like so the three features, Ross, are Elrond's sharding design to achieve the crazy scaling capabilities, two, the consensus mechanism called secure proof of stake, and three, Elrond's Arwen Wasm, W-A-S-M, virtual machine. So it sounds cool, and it is. And Ross, yes. I'm going to let you first discuss the sharding, and then later the VM, and I'll take the consensus mechanism. So Ross, tell us about the sharding that Elrond uses. Okay, Brian. Well, we've talked about layer two scaling solutions in other episodes, but sharding is a layer one scaling technique. And I just wanted to make that clear because in our previous episode, we talked about layer two scaling solutions. So just wanted to make a clear distinction here. Yep. Um, so the problem, let me give you the problem here and why we need sharding. But um, with traditional proof of work blockchain protocols, um, each node must store all the transactions on a given blockchain, AKA the public ledger. Each node must also compete to solve the cryptographic hash to win rights um, to process the current block of one or more transactions. And so as the network gets more and more requests, obviously this slows down and the amount that a given node has to process and store grows. So 
What sharding does is split up or break up the blockchain network into smaller pieces or shards. This is like adding more lanes on a highway. Currently, Bitcoin, for example, can process up to seven transactions per second, which is incredibly slow compared to something like traditional credit card systems, which is, you know, they're processing thousands of transactions per second. So, you know, that's that's the teed up problem for you. Um, so, yeah, sharding was first used as databases or used in databases, rather, as a means for distributing data across multiple systems or computers. Um, in the blockchain world, this technique can be used to split up states and transaction processing so that each node in the network can only needs to process a portion of all the transactions. Of course, as long as there are not a, there's a significant amount of nodes in each shard verifying these transactions. So, you know, if one node's in a shard, that's, you know, obviously not very secure if you're doing transaction verification. Um, but yeah, let's get into the three types of sharding. Uh, so there's network sharding, which handles the grouping of the nodes into the shards. There's transaction sharding, which is the way the transactions are mapped to the shards. So, if exa for example, if five transactions come in, how do we, you know, delegate them to the different shards for processing? You know, maybe one shard is busy, so we go to the next one, and so on. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Um, and then there's state sharding, which is the most difficult by far um, sharding method because it's... This one, each shard only maintains part of the state. Um, so yeah, in the previous mentioned sharding mechanisms, each shard on the network maintains a record of the state of the system. Uh, what I mean by that is, let's say on one shard I have to send Brian five Bitcoin, taking my wallet balance down to zero. And let's say on another shard I attempt to buy a pizza for two um, to Bitcoin. I mean, that's a very expensive pizza, Brian. But um, you can see here... <laughs> Not the, the 10000 though. Yes, yes. But um, the only point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, these shards have to kind of maintain state between each other, you know? Like, yes. Is, you know, I'm not actually running specifically, specifically on a shard itself, but, you know, these shards have to just kind of maintain state. Um, so, yeah, let's look at how Elrond does sharding, as they call it adaptive state sharding. Also known as ass. No, I'm just nah. kidding. No, no one calls it that. Nice. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, so on El, so Elrod has, <laughs> Elrond has uh, created a, a dynamically adaptive sharding mechanism that allows shards to compute transactions and reorganize based on necessity. So this reorganization piece is the adaptive part of the the state sharding. Um, this aids to increase the resiliency against malicious malicious attacks. So if a hacker gains control of a node, it it would be hard to determine what that shard's function is uh, in that node. Um, and kind of to bring it back to um, specifically on Elrond, they have that meta chain shard. And this shard, um, it's a special one where the uh, main responsibilities are finalizing the process shard block headers, uh, facilitating communications between the shard, like I kind of tried to previously mention, you know, um, if I send Brian some Bitcoin and then uh, later on another shard tries to say I'm buying a pizza and I don't have it, you know, managing that state uh, between the system. And then also managing rewards and slashing. And, of course, it's got some other functions, but um, I'll link some great uh, sources in the description for your further learning. Um, Good deal. 
but yeah, so why is this all important? Which is probably what you're looking at me and wondering, <laughs> why are you telling me all this? <laughs> so Elrond's sharding techniques help it achieve processing uh, up to 15,000 transactions per second, nice. uh, which is one of the highest in the blockchain world. There's a couple higher, but you know that's, that's definitely up there. It's yeah. higher than Bitcoin, higher than Ethereum in its current state. Um, but yeah, it's, it's up there, Ryan. All right. So now the consensus known as secure proof of stake. We've talked about many times about proof of stake uh, consensus mechanisms. Everyone seems a little bit different. They all have kind of their pluses and minuses. So generally a proof of stake um, on blockchains, they employ a network of validators. We've heard this before who stake their own crypto. And then in exchange for that, they get a chance to validate the new transactions to update the blockchain and earn a reward. In Elrond's secure proof of stake, they use randomization to select the validators for the next block. So in each round, a new consensus group is selected to propose the block, but only one validator in the group will be the block proposer. The block proposer will validate, uh, I'm sorry, will produce the block for the round, and then the rest of that consensus group will validate and sign it. The time necessary for the random selection of the consensus group is exceptionally short, about 100 milliseconds, and this allows for total round times of just seconds. So the security advantage to having the rounds this short in the secured proof of stake system, it's built on the premise that a bad actor can't adapt, cannot adapt faster than the time frame allowed by a round in order to influence the block that'll be proposed. So yeah. it, it happens so fast that a, a, a would-be bad actor just can't um, predict or, or decide, you know, what who's going to be doing what. And so that's part of their security mechanism. And like other, other proof-of-stake methods, um, the uh, secure proof-of-stake selects the validator nodes for consensus based on the amount of the e-gold tokens we'll talk about uh, staked by their operators. And then additionally, each validator has an individual rating score that's taken into account. So both of these factors are, are factored in. Mm -hmm. um, so the rating expresses kind of the past behavior of the specific validator, and that's taken into account, and validators with a higher rating are more likely to be accepted. So this way, the SPOS promotes a meritocracy among validators, encouraging their operators to keep them running smoothly. So quickly, the types of participants in the, SP in the SPOS so you have a validator, like I mentioned, uh, they must stake their own e-gold. Um, the validators and also can stand to lose their stake if they participate in any bad action. We've seen that before, the yeah, slashing. Uh -huh. So observers, they're passive members of the network that can act at, as a read and relay interface. They can be either full, which means they keep the entire history of the blockchain, or light, where they only keep two epochs of the blockchain history. Observers aren't required to stake uh, e-gold tokens to join the network, and they're also not rewarded. So finally, we have fishermen, and we've, we've actually seen this before. Uh -huh. A fisherman is a node that verifies the, the validity of blocks after they've been proposed, and they can challenge invalid blocks that resulted from any kind of malicious actors, and then they're rewarded for their service. So their role as a fisherman can be fulfilled by either validators who are not part of the concern uh, the current consensus round or by observers like we talked about before. So that's kind of interesting. That's their consensus mechanism to give security to the blockchain. 
Right on. And it's uh it's got secure in the name, so it must be. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about the uh virtual machine. Um we've all heard about the Ethereum virtual machine that executes the Ethereum smart contracts. Um well Elrond has its own, of course, and it's called the Arwen Wasm VM. That virtual machine. So that that Elrond virtual machine was designed mainly to build smart contracts on the Elrond platform, obviously. It supports any programming language that is able to compile WebAssembly smart contracts, which is super cool. It's kind of, you know, something different. Um, but that includes Rust, uh, C, C++, C Sharp, Go, TypeScript, and others. Um, this functionality enables, you know, developers to program in uh, familiar languages, but Rust uh, on their website seems to be the recommended language. Um, not exactly sure what that means, but um, just thought I'd pass that along. But the Elrond virtual machine is designed to be fully compliant with the uh, Ethereum virtual machine, meaning, you know, Ethereum smart contracts can seamlessly run on their virtual machine. Um, it's also designed to achieve full interoperability between external blockchain systems. Uh, this obviously helps enable the exchange of value and other data between multiple multiple blockchain protocols. Very very cool stuff on that. Um, and just to go back for a second. Um, you know, we've talked about virtual machines before, but I want to. I really wanted to you know kind of mention why they're used in so many blockchain systems um, and really computing in general. Um, but virtual machines are nothing new. Um, if there are any developers uh, watching, we we all know about the uh, Java virtual machine. Uh, that the Java bytecode is executed on. But in these cases, virtual machines are used to ensure everyone's code, programs, smart contracts operate and function in the same way. So, you know, for example, if I wrote some code on this MacBook here and I send the code to Brian, who has a PC at his house, uh, there's a chance the program can execute and behave differently. Or even if he's got, you know, this MacBook here, um, Brian could have some weird configuration settings. You know, I don't know what Brian does with his MacBook. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if Brian and I have the same ver version of virtual machine running locally on both of our systems, be it MacBook, you know, whatever, Linux, uh, PC, you know, it should ensure no matter what that, uh, you know, the host system, the program will execute that um, in the same way or, you know, in the crypto worlds that, the smart contracts will execute the same way. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to quickly, quickly mention that and, you know, the benefit of virtual machines so, and why they're important. So. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the Elrond token, which is called eGold. The symbol is E-G-L-D. It's called eGold. And there are about 19 million eGold in circulation out of a total supply of about 31.5 million. So like Bitcoin, it has a soft cap of about 21 million but an additional 10 million will be doled out over about 10 years to reward validators and participants in the system. It's proof of stake, so you got to be able to reward the stakers and the participants. So some history, it actually started with a token called ERD, but that the team wanted to change the tokenomics, um, so they reduced the supply by 1,000x down to originally about 21 million to be like Bitcoin, and then they added about 10 million more to be used for the staking incentives. Um, so eGold is used for, for things we've seen before, like paying network fees, staking, rewarding validators. Right on. And Brian, if you're going to rename a token, I mean, eGold was uh, a yeah, pretty, it, pretty solid better choice. better than ERD, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eGold just, uh, you know, shines. 
Um, but Wait yeah. a minute. I got a comment here. They could uh, yeah. have done E-A-U, you know, for the uh, chemical symbol. Anyway, wow. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just something for them to consider next time. <laughs> yeah, for their next rename. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. Okay. Uh, so where can you buy eGold? Um, it's on Binance, Crypto.com, Binance US, eToroX, and others. Uh, it's not on Kraken and Coinbase, but... Uh, you can get your hands on it if you want this one. Um, and let's talk about the team briefly. So um, the team behind Elrond is pretty cool. It's a family gig. Um, but the CEO of the project is Benjamin Minchu. Um, I always want to say Benjamin, but it's Benjamin Minchu, uh, who began his blockchain experience as part of the NEM core team for one and a half years. And NEM's still around. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, his brother, uh, Lucien, is a CIO. He is an engineer with experience designing complex, complex infrastructure and Netflix solutions for clients such as the German government. Maybe you've heard of him. Um, the COO at Elrond is Lucien, not Minchu, but Lucien Todia, a successful entrepreneur who has 15 years of experience investing in, te- in the technology space and is a active in both startup and blockchain spaces. So um, as we've kind of reviewed the tech of this, you would expect to have, you know, kind of a high power team like yeah. this. So. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it, it seems to be a quality team. For sure. All right, Ross, you know what that brings us to? Time for final thoughts. Ooh, final thoughts. I and like you it. are up this week, sir. Oh, it's so me. Take it away, yes. Okay, so... Um, I got to say, I like this one. I like it. Um, The technology um, seems superb. Um, The team is great. Uh, And one aspect of the technology that I really like is that, you know, if you're going to be a competitor, especially to Ethereum, and you want, you know, smart contract developers to move their their code over to the Elrond uh, network, I mean... You better make it interoperable with Solidity. So I think that's a, a big check mark if you're going to try to steal business from them. Um, I still got to say, you know, Ethereum, especially Ethereum 2.0, is you know still my favorite one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my eyes on this one. Um, and of course, uh, maybe we're you're gonna mention this, Brian. I don't know if I'm stealing your thunder, but you know there are some security concerns about sharding. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about it, um, but. I've seen nothing definitive against uh, Elrond, at least I haven't, um, that makes the argument that there's a major issue with Elrond's kind of software or, you know, platform. So, I don't know. I, I think this is an awesome one. It's a very um, high-powered layer one scaling um, machine, if you will. Uh, so, yeah. An ETH competitor, we'll say. Yes, yes. All right, so my final thoughts are similar, I think. this To me, this seems to be a great project. And so let's go back to the three main features that we discussed, right? First is yeah. sharding. And I don't pretend to fully understand all the complex complexities of sharding. I get the basic, basic concept, you know, of allowing scalability by breaking a hole into smaller pieces. Uh, But like you said, we've discussed other projects where they sort of promote the fact that we achieve scalability without sharding. Yeah. uh Um, And I've heard some other experts say something about something to the effect of, you know, sharding is more difficult than most experts realize. And that's mostly been in the context of uh, comments about ETH2 because ETH2 also 
intends to use uh, some sharding. So mm-hmm. I don't know any difference. So I'll assume that Elron has figured it out. And um, but it is something that our listeners might want to look into when they're doing their own research. Yeah. All right. So second is proof of stake, and we've we've looked at a lot of proof of stake. Um, uh, coins and tokens and some we haven't liked, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll say this one to me seems very solid and, and secure to me without the centralization. I mean, where some of them have run into problems is these projects, they achieve their scalability by sacrificing decentralization, but yeah. Elrond does not seem to do that. So, you know, check that box and then, yeah, that's I, always a big checkbox for us. Yeah. Decentralization. For right. Sure. And, and then, I'm sort of the virtual machine seems very solid. It runs smart contracts with scalability. I'm sort of relying on on you and other experts on that, but um, you know it seems to be seems to be good. And you know, so all so those are sort of checked. You know, with the possibility of looking into um, sharding, and then you get to the tokenomics, and here the tokenomics are good. Um, so you know, will I buy it? I would say probably. Um, one reason that I pause, main reason is the incredible competition yeah. in, in this space. I mean, not only ETH2, um, but there's so many other great competitors, including Cardano, Polkadot, yeah. Solana, Cosmos, and many others. There's just so many good competitors. So yeah. that's just something to, to think about. Um, and secondly, this is kind of lame, but it's it's not easy as an American for me to buy this. Um, it's on some, you know, exchanges that I can get on, but not any <laughs> that I currently have. And yeah. so I would have to open an account. I, I would say if it's on, if this were, if Elrond was on, if E-Gold was on an exchange where I already have, I would have already bought some. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, and I still would. And, you know, it's good. So I would say, yes, this is a quality project for sure. Um Look at the competitors to ETH2. ETH2 plus, plus its competitors and decide which ones you think will be able to thrive, you know, in addition to ETH2. Or I guess if you think ETH2 is going to drop the ball, then which ones are going to take over. And this is certainly, certainly one of the contenders. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that transaction time is yeah. insane. Right. So. Great, great on transaction time. It's just a lot of competition, which is great. Um, you know, will Elrond be, uh, one of the survivors? I mean, yeah, probably, I think. Yeah. And just quick note on that, Brian, I mean, all these competitors, um, I mean, I think the beneficiaries of, of these comp- competitions going on are us. Yeah. We are going to have an awesome blockchain future. Ahead They're of us, all so. making each other be better. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's great. It's a beautiful thing, Brian. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is. It is. All right, that's been another um, episode of the Crypto Masters and, and, and a good one. So, hey guys, tune in next time. We'll cover another asset. Yeah, and let us know in the comments below what you want us to cover next. Like, comment, subscribe. And also, I don't think we've mentioned it yet on our podcast, Brian, but we have a website. It is out, it is live, right. it is cool, it is sexy. Go check that thing out. TheCryptoMasters.com. Yes. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>